Hello, hello. Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum and a proud member of the Drum Click Podcast Network. Today's guest is Tosh Peterson, a.k.a. Tosh the Drummer. I've been following his playing for quite some time now, and while his professional career is relatively new, he's accomplished a ton and seen more of the world than most players do in their entire lifetime. His showmanship is what grabbed my attention right away, but his finesse, coupled with a deceptively controlled bombast, is the reason he's played and is playing with some of the top players in the game right now, including Machine Gun Kelly, Jaden Hostler, Carly Hansen, and of course, a bunch more. He's a name you're going to be hearing a lot of in the coming years, and he's earned every damn bit of it. We met briefly at NAMM in January 2020, but it was good to sit down and chat with him where we could actually hear each other. Again, please go check out his playing. He's incredible, and he approaches his craft with equal parts levity and intensity, which you'll hear all about in this episode. So please enjoy the top five inspirations that helped mold Mr. Tosh Peterson. Cheers. So in getting to know your playing, I'm really curious, and I've been asking the last few guests this, but how do you break down your practice if you do at all? Like, what are the priorities? What are some non-negotiables every time you get in there? Um, so every day I have a warm-up routine that I do. It's about an hour to an hour and a half long. And I Jeez. do that. So yeah, it, it can get up to two hours depending on how, if I'm feeling really rough that, you know, that morning or something, just like... Um, usually when I get back from a tour or something, it's like, it's a two hour warm up because it's been a long tour, you know, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, I, uh, I have that same warm up routine that I do every day and it's a bunch of different stuff. And, uh, I, you know, it's just kind of grows and grows every, uh, every couple months it gets longer, I feel like, but, um, that's about it. That's the only like thing that stays strict every day. And then I just, I mean, I practice a good 10 hours a day at least usually. So, um, Uh, I just don't really leave this room. I'm kind of a hermit. I don't like to leave my house as much as possible. Sure. Um, obviously, if I have stuff to do, I, I go get it done. But I prefer to stay in here as much as possible. Um, That's all. Well, because there's there's the other school of thought, which is you know Dave Elich is famous for saying, you know, you can overpractice if it takes if it takes you five minutes to get this certain lick done or this certain exercise done. That's all you need that day. But uh, I mean, ten hours is a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I Dave Elitch is smart, and he knows what he's doing. I just am like, why would I want to stop playing drums if I'm still having fun with it? You know, it's kind of like, it's fun for me, you know? It's not like I'm just... and Because I'm not necessarily just practicing the whole time. I'm also playing along to music. I'm just, like, uh, you know, filming videos and stuff. But it's pretty much I'm, I'm just playing drums, like, all day just because... I mean, if you like, you know, if you like drawing, why would you not want to draw all day you know and stuff like that and that's just kind of man yeah yeah that's just how i feel about it and so i'm uh i kind of just play a lot i play along to a lot of music i try to come up with my own exercises i try to see you know other people it's it's kind of hard for me to learn other people's exercises just because i come up with a lot on my own and i'm like uh i try to learn other people's stuff and then i get caught up like like switching it up completely and i'm like that's not what i was trying to learn at all but okay you know and so sure i uh i do a lot of stuff like that but i'm pretty scatterbrained with stuff like with practice you know so i'm all over the place but uh lately i've been having to learn a lot of music because we have, have so much stuff coming up and so 
it's kind of it's been a lot of dr- like learning songs all day specifically learning travis barker's drum parts all day <laughs> dude i was gonna talk about that so you've been playing with machine gun kelly is that is that still going or is 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 the drummer back uh, Rook's back now, uh, but I'm playing okay. drums for Jaden Hostler now, who is... Uh, oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah, so who's, he's another one of Travis's guys. Travis produces him, signed him to his label, and um, yeah, so I'm playing drums for him now. We actually start rehearsals this week, and yeah, I mean, I'm super stoked. Damn, dude. How'd you get involved with that whole crew? Um, I mean, I've kind of known the MGK guys for a while, just from going to see them play shows and stuff, and like... I'm just from Instagram and stuff, and I'd go see him, and and uh, I think it actually started because the drummer's dad, uh, Rook's dad, ha- like hit me up and was like, "Hey, my son's playing in your town. You should go see him play." And so, like, but that was like a long time ago, and and uh, and yeah, it kind of just started from there, and we started, you know, started seeing each other all around and stuff, and hanging out, and and then he, uh, Rook, got injured and called me to sever, uh, substitute drums i guess for him so yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude i would never suggest you only because like you'd steal my gig <laughs> no, like like you're the kind of drum like you, you want someone that's good but not as good as you you know i'd be nervous if i was him i mean he's a great drummer too i've seen obviously you know but. <laughs> dude yeah i mean i would be nervous to have anyone sub for me on a gig but rook is the only one who doesn't have to worry about that because that's machine gun kelly's just as much his band as as the singer's band you know it's yeah he's he's been there since the beginning they they write songs together they do everything together and yeah that's awesome dude <laughs> yeah so yeah how's it how's it learning travis barker's beats because we, we we are going to get in your top five he's not one of your top five um i can maybe from a from a distance outside perspective i would assume maybe he would be a big influence on you but uh yeah how's that knowing that travis is probably going to be listening to you play his parts eventually uh i mean i know he's already been listening to it which has been cool he, he messaged me and told me i was doing great on the mgk gig which is really nice of him uh, yeah, it's fun. I mean, they're really honestly, they're like as much as he wasn't uh, as big of a part of like my drumming as he is now. Like I like he's still we I feel like we have similar styles, you know, like when I when I play when I play his parts, they feel natural to me. They feel like what I should be playing to the song, you know, and and maybe that's just because he's so good that they work for the song so well. But also, I just feel like just like the way I play kind of works for how he plays and it just works out you know it's it's really fun so when, when it comes to your style aesthetics like showmanship i mean how how much is that a part of you know how you like to portray yourself as a drummer uh i mean like i've just always played how i like i would want to watch someone play i always wished i like i had someone that played like exactly like how i'm playing now like that's just kind of what i always uh i just play whatever i think looks cool like when it, like when it comes to like looks and stuff like that i just like i don't know i i play whatever i would want to see someone else play <laughs> and there is it, it it is kind of a crossing of of your skill set the way you do things and the way the music industry is going because uh, rock and roll real drums are kind of coming back in a really cool way uh so it's it's, it's awesome that you are young doing your thing and you're 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 playing with like the top people in the game right now it's just it's it's like so awesome for you Dude, I mean, like, the fact that I was able to play on the Billboard Music Awards and have my stomach out like I, it always is, is, like, <laughs> yeah. I was tripping out. I was like, I didn't think that would ever happen. I just, I started, you know, I just, like I said, I play how I want to play, and it just kind of worked out to be the right when I feel like I'm 
I've like kind of gotten like, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm never going to be done learning, but when I feel like I'm good, like good enough to hold down some of these gigs and stuff, the drumming is like coming back like that. The style of drumming that I like. And I'm like, I'm 20. This Mm -hmm. is like perfect timing for me. I'm so stoked. And it's just, it just worked out so well. (laughs) Well, before we go into your, your top five to, uh, you know, showcase the building blocks of your playing i do want to play a song from your band bexley which came out somewhat recently so let's just play a song from there and then we can maybe talk about that band a little bit and go off that so this is uh the song if we have to die I mean that that's a pretty fuck you intro. That's awesome. <laughs> you dude, that's I was, okay. So I was actually I was, I forgot to ask if I'm allowed to say fuck. So that's cool. Uh, <laughs> you could say it all you want, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rad. No, yeah. I, I was so stoked. That whole song was pretty much written just because I I recorded that whole beat and sent it to my band. I was like that entire like oh shit the, okay the intro the 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 like the whole thing and then and then they just recorded that. That's pretty much what you're hearing right there. So. Is that in your spot that you're in right now? Yeah, yeah. So this is my drum room at, at home. It's in my garage, and uh, I could pretty much play in here as much as I want. I'll be in here at two in the morning sometimes. I don't really care. I just am always in here. And uh, luckily, I got it during the pandemic. I got it to where I can fully record everything, and really That's awesome. just get it get it dialed in to where it sounds awesome. And I've been doing a ton of session work for people writing a ton of music with people and just it's it's been the raddest thing ever how long has bexley been together because that's is that the only project you're in right now that's kind of your your band where you're kind of part of the songwriting or bexley's been a band for since like 2019 i think is really when we started playing together um but during the pandemic we kind of we wrote and recorded our first like full-length album and stuff which is coming out pretty soon um but it's kind of like it's just I've been friends with them for so long and, and we really worked on that. But I'm a part of writing a lot of different music with people, actually. But it's that's I would say is like the main one where like we're constantly writing music, constantly trying to come up with full albums and stuff. But um, yeah, even with like some of the gigs I'm on, we're writing music together like Carly Hansen. We've been we've been working on stuff together and uh, some of the some of the artists I work with, I write music with them as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I always grapple with as a, as a drummer and a lot of my friends as well. It's when when it comes to if you were to zoom out, do you prefer the more playing with a bunch of people, or is your ultimate goal to find that one project that everyone knows you for, and have that be your 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 main gig? I think my goal would be to have oh, like one project that is my that is my main thing. But I I would never want to stop playing with multiple people and stuff, you know. And I like. I would just get bored, man. I would. I, I like playing with a bunch of different people. It's fun. Um, but I would like, I mean, sort of like how Travis does it. He's like, you know, he's known as the drummer from Blink-182, but look at all these other people he works with. I think that's the sickest thing ever. Absolutely. All right, well, let's just hop into your, your top five, man. Let's see what the hell makes Tosh Tosh. I'll start with number one, and that was meeting Thomas Pridgen. Yeah, dude, meeting Thomas Pridgen changed my life, dude. Like... I was, I think I was 11 years old, and I, um, 
So the the full story is he was. I had been like I I discovered who he was when I was ten years old I think, and that's when I feel like I started like actually learning stuff on drums that I still play today like regularly you know like all these like a lot of the fills I do I I started or at least like basics of the basics of what I play today you know it's like um I learned I think because of him I learned how to do a fill between my hands and feet just because of watching you know just from watching a video of him and like um I remember like the day my dad came home and I was like, "Hey, look at this fill I learned." And I like, I or no, I think he wanted to like jam with me or something. We were jamming. I did it, and he was like, "How did you just land that? What was it like?" And he was tripping out because my dad's like a punk rock drummer had never seen anyone do that. And so when I was like, I impressed my dad because of something that Thomas Pridgen did. I was like so excited, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I basically I had been a massive fan of his. And like he was like instantly my favorite drummer, and he still is to this day, is my favorite drummer of all time. And I saw on Instagram that he was playing by my house, like at a NAM party at some bar. And I was like, he's playing at a bar by my house, like freaking out. Because to me, like he was on this <laughs> other level. Like I thought he was like, I just assumed at, at 11 years old, I thought he was only like, you know, I thought he was playing stadiums and that was it. But he was playing with his little yeah. punk rock band, the Memorials. And they were playing mm. down the street from my house. And I was like, dude, this rules. I, I was like, I need to go. And so I, I um, that's the reason I started an Instagram account was so I could post videos and tag him in them so he would notice me before I would go. And I literally, like, I started posting videos on Instagram. And I was like, okay. I, I just tagged him in every single one of them. And, like, the second one he responded was like, hey, you sound great, dude. And I was like, no fucking way. Thomas Bridgen knows yeah, who I am. <laughs> dude, I was fucking lost it, bro. And... Um, so that weekend, my dad took me down to the slide bar in Fullerton and was like, Oh shit. I played there. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, you can't get in, but I'm going to hold your ass up in the window and just fucking you watch and enjoy it. And we did that. And Thomas, you know, literally I was waiting there all day watching the opening acts or like all night, you know, watching the opening acts and stuff. And then like right before his set, Thomas rolls up in this van with his his band and like this cloud of smoke comes out of the van and he just <laughs> of course and, and he gets out and he's like where do I load my drums in and then he looks over and he's like oh shit it's Tosh from Instagram and I was like he knows who I am I like lost it dude and, and Jesus uh, dude he like came and gave me like a hug and like was like let's take a picture dude and like I was I was freaking out man it was like life changing moment he was so cool and then he. Um, he went in and he like carried his drums in like by himself and it just got up and just like straight up played right there. And I was in the window watching the whole time. And then he came out afterwards and was like, dude, you're still here. Hey, I'm playing a clinic that like next week, like come hang and watch it. And, and so he, uh, me and my dad got to go watch this drum clinic and he let me get up and play in front of everyone. And I was like, it was like life changing, man. That's a, it was the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Was that the first time you'd played in front of drummer? Like, I mean, what what was that? Describe that experience, like, <laughs> emotionally for you. Uh, I mean, I had played in front of a bunch of people before just from, um, like, I started playing in church, and I was doing musical theater, I think, at the time. Like, you know, playing in, like, an orchestra for musical theater or something like that. And I don't really know, but, yeah, I was just, like, I'm trying to think of how it felt. It was, like, it was kind of just, I didn't even think about anyone else being there i was just thinking the fact that thomas bridgen was watching me play drums to be honest i was like i didn't care about those other 
dudes that were there. I was just like, Thomas Bridgen is watching me play drums right now. This is the coolest thing ever. And I just remember thinking, like, he has a stack. This is insane. And I played on his stack because I didn't have one, you know? I mean, you've already gotten the approval because he's seen you online. So I guess that hurdle's already there. You're like, he already kind of digs what I do. I'm just going to double down and be, be Tosh. Yeah. And I was, like, 11 at the time. So it was just like, you know, when you're 11, like, you can't really, like, I don't know. I didn't have time to be nervous. I was so excited to do just to play music. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I started playing music in front of people so young, like with church and stuff like that, that I, I'd never had time to be, you know, to be nervous. I was too, like, I don't even remember it, to be honest. <laughs> that but, should be yeah. the tagline for this episode. I didn't have time to be nervous. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I wish, I wish I had less time so I could have that <laughs> same perspective. Uh, so and then you ended up taking lessons with him, right? Yeah. So literally like a month later, uh, I like he'd been watching me and stuff. Like I'm trying to think of how it kind of like worked out, but he'd been watching me and I was like, I would love to one day get a lesson with you if that's ever possible. And he was like, I'm giving lessons next week in LA. Like, here's my phone number. Call me. And I like called him and and he's like, hey, yeah, I teach at Amp Rehearsal in North Hollywood. Come by. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I literally, I went over, my dad took me in, I took my first lesson with him. And I just remember, like, he showed me how to put, put like, a paradiddle in a drum beat. And I, from, like, then on, I was like, this is the coolest thing. Like, I'm just going to, and I just, like, would practice my ass off. I would work on all of the stuff he showed me. And um, I took lessons with him for four years solid, maybe almost five years. Um, and it was like, yeah, it was, it was insane, man. Like I, almost every month whenever he was in town, it was, it was so sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I think of Thomas and I, and I mean, to be honest, the more I, I, I watch your playing, it's like, I think of power, but also looseness, you know, cause he is so bombastic, but his, his touches is, is, is right there with all the greats. And, uh, how, how much technique did you get from him? I know that might be a generic question for you because you took lessons for years, but was there were there specific things when it comes to technique that you really pulled from him? Yeah, I mean, I think just like the way, just the way I hit the drums even comes from from him a lot. You know, like I owe most of my playing to him. Like I feel like ha being able to be technical, but also like you said, loose, like to where I'm not like. I don't want to play like a robot, you know? I want to play like me and, and play with my emotions and stuff, and that's just how he is. He plays how he's feeling. You can tell when he's fucking angry. You can tell when he's happy. You can tell when he's like, with without even needing to see him, you can just hear you can just hear it and and know how it is, you know? Yeah, he's the best, man. Um, he he came to our booth a few times during the last Nam. That I, that's actually where we met very briefly, um, and he was at the. Uh, the bald man percussion booth, which is right next to us, the, the, the junk hat guys. And Thomas just sat down with just literally a junk hat, a snare drum, and a bass drum. And just everyone was talking and then just shut up and just stared at him. And he was, it was uh, life changing for sure, man. Yeah, dude. All you need is to see him play for five minutes and you'll, you'll, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So, number two, uh, if you're good to move on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, man. So you, I'm just uh, verbatim what you wrote, all of Doggy Style, but specifically a fill in the album. So before we get into the specific fill, what's the backstory of, you know, Doggy Style? Okay, so so Doggy Style, my dad uh, was like, 
that was an album that I remember my dad being like, you need to learn this whole album from front to back. Like this thing is like, it's, it's insane. And, um, it was one of his favorite albums for sure. And, and he, like, I, I just remember hearing that for the first time. I, I mean, I was so young that it's, I don't remember a lot from when I was younger, to be honest. I have a really terrible memory, <laughs> but I, I, that album specifically, like the whole thing was just so like, it was so sick and the drums on it, even though it's mostly programmed drums, just like feel insane. And, um, I, I kind of, it was one of the first albums that I really learned like the full thing, you know, and, and all the hits and stuff. And, um, that I guess just like every song on that album was like me at five years old, just jamming along to it. Just like, it was just like, that was my childhood pretty much just playing along to that album. <laughs> I mean, did that teach you restraint as, as a kid? I mean, a lot of those, their songs, those aren't, you know, known for the fills that you are somewhat known for these days, a lot of linear stuff and hands and feet. So what, yeah. What, what turned you on about that record specifically? Um, I mean, realistically, like the fills are fun to play, but being able to control a, like a room with just a drumbeat is like what I always wanted to do. And, um, I, I don't know, just being able to like make people dance. I saw, I saw Nick Smith who was playing for Snoop for a while. I'm not sure if he still is or if Snoop still has a band really right now, but Nick Smith, I saw him in a clinic and I remember asking him what it was like if Snoop's very like, he wants to play just like the record or if he lets you do what you want kind of. And his answer was literally like, Snoop doesn't care what you play as long as people are dancing. If they stop dancing, then you're fired. But <laughs> as long as everyone's moving the whole time, then then you can solo over it all you want. And and so I I kind of mean I didn't when I learned it I wasn't necessarily just playing it note for note. I was like soloing over it, and I still do that to this day. I'll I'll solo over it and just and just mess around. But those drum beats though, they're all just so well written mm. and like just some of those grooves, just being able to hold it down and like. And like I said, just make people bob their head the whole time. When I when I heard that, I was like, "This is what I want to do. I want everyone to be dancing to my drumming." You know? Sure. And even at five years old, even at five years old, like that was what I knew. I was like, "Okay, this shit rules." <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it it definitely works. And there's actually a video I want to play, a little snippet of you playing with someone else that kind of it it shows that towards the end um, of that little video, but. Doggy style, you said there is a specific fill on the record. So what is that fill? And then I can try and find it. Okay, so that fill, it's it's in a song called G's and Hustlers. And um like I remember my dad being like, You need to be able to do this fill like solid. And all the fill is is it's on the uh of three and then four and then the and of four. Just put that that's it. That's the whole fill. It's just so he's just like dude get and like that was that fill is like i still am just i'm just blown away like when i heard it, i was like how has no one else done this like this is the coolest thing ever then i found out that was just like every funk drum beat ever but that fill specifically changed my life because i still think it's the like the most well-written fill and it's and it's kind of like a hook in the song because it repeats a bunch you know it hits sure it hits after like every every chorus and before or like after every verse and in every chorus pretty much but it's just like that song is probably my favorite off the record but that fill i i remember like when i started playing for nick west which we'll get to later but um when i started playing for her because it was a lot it was a lot of funk music like playing that fill all the time was like 
totally acceptable. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Because <laughs> I was like, this is my favorite fill. Yeah. All it is is three notes, and it's the sickest thing ever. I mean, people that love 80s bands, I mean, that, like, the pause after a chorus, like, pause, two, three, do do Sometimes those are the coolest fills yeah. ever. I mean, not sometimes. Always they're the coolest fills. Um, so, yeah, let me just play it. Um, you said it kind of happens quite a bit, so maybe I'll just start it, and then we'll just kind of figure out uh, if it's the right spot or not. So Yeah, you might need to skip through. There's a long intro in this song. This is for the G's and this is for the hustlers. This is for the hustlers, not back to the G's. This is for the G's and this is for the hustlers. This is for the hustlers, not back to the G's. Freeze. ease. Now let me drop yeah. some keys. That's sick, dude. Yeah, it doesn't get in the way, but it uh, it definitely reminds you, hey, I'm still here. Yeah, it's so rad, man. It's the, like that whole... That whole record just has like little little fills and subtle things like that that stand out so much, and they really just make it. They, they I think that's what makes the record. To be honest, is those drum parts and stuff. And and even if they are programmed drums, it's still the feel of it is just insane. Yeah, I mean that sounds like it's someone playing it. I'm curious who it actually is. Um, I mean that being said, it could be a. a <laughs> I'm gonna get a lot of comments being like, dude, Ben, it's this, the blah blah blah, you idiot. But it sounds cool, and I'm not gonna overthink it. So. Hey y'all, I wanted to, <laughs> I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston actually, this is why it's called the ocean patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was gonna be or if it was gonna be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his, you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour and I didn't keep it and I regretted it ever since then just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time and I just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye <laughs> All right, yeah, let's just go on to number number three if you want. So you already mentioned her, but it's uh, it's your time with Nick West, or specifically your first show with Nick West. Yeah, so uh, Nick West was the first artist I got to go on tour with uh, when I was 16 years old. And it was, it was like the whole experience was just such a learning experience, learning how to tour, learning. I didn't even know what, what the hell fucking lobby call meant. And I was like, yeah. just that whole thing was... <laughs> 
Like, with her, like, my first show, there's just one thing that I remember. I mean, I could talk about playing for her, like, on and on. I played for her for a year and a half, and there's just so many memories, but uh, all good, of course. But there, uh, my first thing that I remember, like, very specifically is my first show with her, literally, I had met her, like, as a fan before, but this was my first time meeting her, like, as her drummer, and it was, like literally uh, like seconds before we went on stage because she didn't go to a rehearsal before we started oh. and um we'd only done i did like i think i did one rehearsal before we started and that was it just me and like the guitarist and he just kind of explained a few things and then we did our first show mm-hmm. and it was um it i remember we're standing like we're, we're behind a curtain at the malibu guitar festival in in malibu obviously and so she's standing at the front of the stage with her bass. She's like, she's like, you know, messing around, kind of like running through something. And they're like, they're, they start to announce us, and she turns around and she looks at me and she walks up and she goes, "Hey, remember, we're fucking going to war right now, so take this shit seriously," or something like. Or like I don't remember if it was that word for word, but she said like, "We're going to war, so like, get your head in the game. We're gonna like after this, like, we'll go have fun. But when you're playing this show, like, you're in this show." Or and it was like, just like those words, like hit me like a fucking rock and i was like oh my god like all right it's on and i just like went into the zone and then right then she turns around the curtain goes up and just black goop black and we started the first song and it was like it was just like the most insane experience ever damn dude um yeah i'll say that when when a bass player uh, cause I'm not sure if you mentioned that she's a bass player. She's uh, fucking incredible. Um, when they, when they compliment you as a drummer, that's like the one person in the, in, in the whole band that if they like what you're doing, it's like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, what, what kind of, as a player, as a mentor, besides that, what kind of influence did she instill into you? Man, so much just like learning how to, uh, really control a band and control a room because like. Being that she was the bassist and the leader of the band, I assumed that she was, like, kind of taking charge. And she was like, no, you got to take charge. You got to control everything. You know, you're the drummer. Like, that's your job. And and she would tell me, she'd be like, I speed up a lot. Like, I get excited and speed up. So you're going to have to hold me down and not let me do that. Because we didn't, we weren't playing to a click and stuff. It was all super raw. We had, like, wedges and stuff on stage. It was, like, super just, like, old school. And it was awesome. But... So she really kind of taught me how to control a room and um, and make people like yeah make people dance make make sure I'm taking charge of the band and stuff and it was kind of weird because you know I'm looking at a bunch of musicians who have been doing this forever and it's my first tour and then being like all right everyone ready like kind of like that vibe is like it's kind of nerve wracking you know like looking over at like these experienced musicians who have been touring for 15 years and stuff and then me and like being like I have to tell them like to the chorus here we go like or like we're coming out of a jam or something and like all right we're going to the chorus and like when that's on you like that's fucking intimidating man like to look at some of the best musicians in the world on stage with me and they're just like and i'm the one telling them all right here we go like we're coming out of this guitar solo now or something and it's like teaching me how to get that confidence is really one of the biggest things that i learned from her and just taking charge is really um it's it's not an easy thing especially as a 16 year old with a bunch of musicians in their 30s who like you know have been touring for a long time you know yeah and she's good enough for prince so it's like the top of her game yeah and i mean the the drummer before me was john blackwell which is like that's not <laughs> i was like terrified oh, i didn't know that wow yeah damn dude 
Um, yeah, well, if you guys want to see Tosh dancing, uh, if that if that tickles your fancy, <laughs> you are. <laughs> look at the purple unicorn video, and you see you see Tosh, uh, you know, strutting his stuff. So be on the lookout me. for that. <laughs> I do want to play a a little clip of you from. It's it's it says it's just like an intro of you playing. It's like a little clip, and I'm sure you've seen it. But um, yeah, it says uh, Tosh Peterson, an intro with uh, Nick West in Sochi, Russia. It's so funny. It's uh, I remember like I got to go out. the The show started with me. I walked out first. I was the first one on stage, and for for a lot of that tour, not uh, if it was a festival or something quick, then maybe not. But like for every headline show, like that's how, that was our intro. And I would go out and I would do that that drum part, and I would get to go like solo around. And as I got more comfortable, it got longer and longer. So by the end of my time, we kind of kept it even through like towards the end of me playing with her as one of our intro options and and um it, it just like my confidence once i was once i was there i was doing a little bit too much <laughs> <laughs> did she ever say like all right all right buddy uh this was six minutes tonight like you're just she's just waiting there in the wings just like you know move it along oh no she loved it she was awesome dude she was like she was the raddest to work for her man she was just so she was so supportive of, of me and she knew like, you know, that I was new to it. And she was just like, he's finding his feet. You know, he's like, she, the fact that she like trusted me to bring a 16 year old who had never toured before on tour with her is just insane. So I really owe a lot to her and, and you know, it's, it's really sick. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, cause it must not have been just your playing. She must've been from the impression you made on the MD or whatever. There must've been something where they're like, this guy can be your rock can be your foundation just just trust me because uh it would be hard for me to trust a 15 year old 16 year old at 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 the time regardless of how amazing they were that that's just a lot of pressure yeah especially like having to give my like my uh like basically giving me or i guess like my caretaker was like the music director who was on and guitarist who was on tour with us like because he was always with me or whatever and like just like that had to be so much pressure. It's fucking insane, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's just move on to number three or sorry, number four. And this was I'm happy about this one because weirdly enough, I thought this this drummer would be would be brought up more. But it's Tommy Lee and it's uh, he's get, getting blown up during a drum solo video. So what uh, I mean, I've seen him do so many crazy things with the drum solos. But uh, yeah, which one is this? So, okay, so this was a video, I think it was from, like, 2003, I want to say. And this was, I don't even remember how old I was when I first saw this, but I was young, dude. I just, I, I've always loved this video. And it's, it's, he had a drum solo for a while where he would swing from the stage to two flying drum risers, and he would swing back and forth from these two drum sets, like, and play them on this tour. And then, like, the pyrotechnics go and, like, you know, blow them up, and, and he gets pulled away. But this time it like didn't work or something, and there's video of him getting blown up, and he actually like got burned all over his his face and shit, and like he um, 
like getting to see that, I guess I was like super young when I saw that video. It's super, and it might even just be like a cell phone recording. I'm not or, or like a uh, someone's like camera recording. You know, it's it's not like that. It's not that good a quality, but it is like I think it was from like is like early 2000s or something on tour with Motley Crue, and he was just like, I just remember seeing that and being like, this guy is a fucking maniac, and he doesn't care. Like, and he finished the show after he got blown up. He played the rest of the show. With his arms burnt up, oh. and he was like, "I'll get it taken care." He was like, "I'll get it taken care of after the show." He, he was even the, in the mic, like they're telling me I need to go to the hospital right now. But fuck it, I'm gonna finish this show and then I'll go. And I was just like, "That is a fucking rad person." Have you seen the the video of him getting stuck in like 2012? Yeah, upside down. <laughs> But so for those of you who don't know, he obviously you've said it. He's known for his crazy drum solos. But there was one where it's, it looked like a roller coaster going from the front of stage to maybe like front of house, like maybe halfway through the crowd. And he would just like go on this roller coaster, slow, but it would just go to the back and flip, and then he'd go back to the stage. But I'm pretty sure he was like just it malfunctioned one night, and he was stranded above the crowd for like 35 minutes. But yeah. he kept it going. He kept talking. He kept doing his whole, like, you know, Tacoma, like, kind of <laughs> voice. And it's, you can tell he's getting frustrated, but he's just still. Dude, I, he probably almost passed out when he got down because, like, being upside down for that long is so, dude, it's so, like, standing on your head for five minutes is a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So if someone if 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 uh, anyone you're playing with now suggests a, a a fire you know pyrotechnic thing, would you say yes or is that something you're like I am gonna politely say no to that? Oh, dude, I'm down for whatever. I don't care. I just like to like put on a good show, and if it's gonna look cool, then then fuck yeah, dude. I mean, like it's it was crazy like playing with. Uh, so my first show with MGK was like that was like the most pyrotechnics I had ever done at the time. And uh, it was at the front of the stage, and I could feel it back at the drum riser, like from the front of the stage, with like that much fire. And and like like our uh, like the the keyboard is slim. He ran out to the front of the stage and like almost burnt his eyebrows off. Like it like was so gnarly. And then I um and then I was playing on the Billboard Music Awards like three weeks later with Bad Bunny. And the the fire was right in front of me then, and it was like, dude, it literally hurt. Like I could feel it like burning my skin, and it was like painful every time it would go off. And I was like, I can't imagine, like Green Day, who has it going like nonstop. The like next to them, um, J- Jason Freeze is like basically my neighbor. He lives right down the street, and he he plays keyboards for Green Day. And he he was telling me he has a fire blanket that he has to throw over himself whenever the pyrotechnics go off because he was getting burnt too much. Jesus, dude. <laughs> well, I also remember hearing Travis talk about when there was fire going around his kit that what people don't think about is it actually sucks away the oxygen. So you're kind of like... There's a chance you could like kind of pass out just because you have no oxygen around you. And you're like, you're trying to breathe, breathe, focus. Also, don't fall over into the fire. It's, yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm not surprised that Tommy Lee, <laughs> that there was a mishap on all the times he's done it. But is Tommy yeah. just a huge in- inspiration to you on showmanship? Because he's, he's the goat when it comes to that. 
Yeah, I mean, he was another one. Uh, I was gonna like, I was de- debating between that video or the whole Doctor Feelgood album, which is like another one that my dad would have me play along to, and they're like. Yeah, I mean, I've just I, I've been a big I'm a big fan of '80s rock and '80s you know hair metal and stuff like that and and um, but Motley Crue is a big influence. Uh, Tommy Lee also just like yeah, like you said, his performances are like insane. Like he's he's really like the OG like performer where like as a drummer he was the front man of the band. Yep. Which is like you know I think that's crazy. I thought yeah. that was the coolest thing ever. Like. I don't know. I've just always loved that. I like standing out. I like being the one that everyone's watching. I get frustrated as much as probably a bunch of artists would hate this. I don't care because it's what I do. I I get frustrated if everyone's not looking at me. I'm like, why are they not fucking looking at me? Why are they looking at the the singer? I'm the one that's fucking important. So so I start going harder, and then everyone's looking at me. And I'm like, okay, cool. Now I'm happy. You know, like I just I always like I love that stuff, and and I I think I kind of stole a lot of that from him, just being like wanting to put on a good show, wanting to, um, wanting everyone to be like, damn, that drummer fucking rules, even if they don't know anything about drums, you know? Well, yeah, I'm a huge advocate to help them out with that, because there's so many people that, because I also am a huge fan of Motley Crue, and I'll be putting them on, and a lot of my friends that aren't musicians, they know him for other reasons, just, you know, his persona and stuff, and they're like, I mean, is, but is he a good drummer? And I'm just like, dude, yes, his, like, his, his legacy maybe like, kind of shadows how i'm not shadows but it kind of overlooks how amazing of a drummer he is you know um especially for that band like especially for that band dude like Mm. they would like they wouldn't be where they are without tommy lee tommy lee is the reason motley Crue is one of the biggest bands of all time you know i agree i know you're not playing with them you know as much because you know the normal drummer's there but uh i could see a motley Crue machine gun kelly tour That'd be awesome, just to watch Tommy Lee every damn night. That would be so sick, dude. I, I mean, I would go see it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just be, I'll be on tambourine. That's fine. Um, yeah. All right, dude. Well, uh, yeah. Let's just go to number five, which which might be might be the most important one to you. You you've you've brought him up multiple times uh, during this podcast, and it's 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 your dad. Yeah, dude. My my dad is uh, an insane drummer, and you can see. Um, I mean, obviously I owe being a drummer to my dad because I wouldn't be one if he wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. always playing drums and stuff. But, um, my dad toured with the band called the English beat and he, he kind of just as, uh, he's played for a bunch of different people and, and, and stuff. And he's a, uh, realistically people can say, Oh, you, you remind me of Travis Barker when you play, you remind me of Thomas prison when you play, you remind me of, of Tommy Lee when you play. But my style is literally just a rip off of my dad. If you watch old videos of him playing, it's like, I, I'm literally just a copycat of how he plays, you know? Um, I, I have, um, I have a bunch of old videos of him when he was in the English B or even his high school bands. And he was wearing I and like I've seen a lot of these after I started playing like this, but he was you know he was wearing plaid pants, shirtless, like beating the shit out of the drums, you know, and and that was just kind of like so inspiring to me. Um, I mean, I, yeah, like I said, I owe uh, everything about the way I play drums to my dad. You know, I remember him being like, 
you uh, learn this drum beat and he would like teach me a drum beat or something and I would like start practicing it and he would leave and then come back like an hour later and I'd be playing it left hand lead and like playing it or like moving it around the kit just cause like <laughs> all I ever wanted to do was you know impress him and, and uh, I always wanted to you know uh, inspire him and think that I want him to be proud of me, you know, and so still, I, I don't get nervous before shows at all. I, I never have gotten nervous before any any gig I've ever done, except for when my dad is there watching. I'm fucking terrified, and everyone says they can tell. Whenever my dad's in the audience, I'm like fucking freaking out, dude. It's it's crazy. <laughs> is Does does he still play out? Yeah, I mean, he, he still plays drums. He doesn't, um, he doesn't really tour anymore. He kind of just uh chills and, and plays music at home he writes a lot of music he actually has a song coming out this friday uh, july 9th um where i played the drums and he played guitar and sang on it which is pretty rad <laughs> do you play any other instruments or have you tried or is just yeah i mean i play a little bit of some other instruments and stuff and uh, i play a little bit of guitar a little bit of bass i'm not like not enough because i i don't know i just i only have fun playing drums so I just pretty much like to play drums all day and I don't spend any time practicing guitar or bass, but I, I like to mess around on it. Um, it's nice when you're like, like when I have an idea and I can put like a bit of a guitar part down on it and then send it to a guitarist friend and be like, here's kind of the notes, make it sound good. <laughs> when you, when you sent that to, to Bexley, was there anything on top of it or was it literally just that drum beat? Just the drum beat. That was just the drum beat. They, they came up with everything else. <laughs> So when you when you play, how cognizant? I know you said you like to be loose and stuff, and you learned that from Thomas. But a big a big hindrance for me is that I think I'm over analytical on what my hands are doing, how the sticks feeling, blah blah blah. Do you literally just black out and do your thing, kind of like what what Nick West was saying, or are you very very cognizant of what's going on with your with your technique? Um, when it comes to myself, I'm like. I don't know. I, I like to be aware of my surroundings, but I'm not really, I'm like pretty much just in a blackout phase. I'm not overthinking anything. I'm, by the time I play a show, I'm so like over prepared and ready, like that it doesn't really matter. The only time I'll, I'll overthink stuff is if I have bad sound. If the sound guy didn't do a good job with my ears or something, and then I'm overthinking like, damn, I just wish that guitar was like a little bit like lower or like, you know, oh man, like this sounds like kind of stupid, you know, like, um, but that's the only time I, I overthink. But luckily, I, I've been able to work with some great sound guys that know how to take care of me, and it sounds sick. But I kind of just like to go in and black out and play my show and enjoy it. Well, I mean, that's your five. Do you can can you do some self promotion? I know you said your father has a, has a, a single coming out, but anything else you want to let people? And of course, Bexley just has your three track EP called Sick that came out this this year. But anything else you want to hit people to? Yeah, so sick. Those are actually the first uh, three singles from our new record that's coming out, um, and which we have coming out. We don't have an official date, but I'm gonna be honest. It's about a month away, a month and a half away, probably. Uh, so that'll be sick. And our uh, so yeah, some new uh, new Bexley material coming out. My dad's song is called "Your Mommy's So Rad," and his name is Stoner. So you can just find that there. Um, and then I'm I'm you know I'm playing a lot. I, I have um, I'm now I'm playing drums for Jaden Hostler, which I'm super excited about. Congrats, uh, man! That's, that's awesome. My news. Thank you. I'm super stoked. Doing a lot of some other stuff with other people. I don't know what I'm allowed to say yet, so I'm not going to say too much. But sure. 
I'm doing some rad shit uh, that I'm really excited about. And pretty much you can find me on all social media, like TikTok, uh, Instagram, Twitter. It's all just Tosh underscore the drummer. When does this come out? This will come out on Wednesday. So this, yeah, let's see. Today's the 5th, so it'll come out on 7th. Dude, so when this comes out, I'll be getting my sleeve done. I'm getting my entire arm tattooed, so I'm super psyched for that. What are you getting? I'm getting a whole underwater scene with like skeletons and sharks and stuff. It's pretty rad. Oh shit! Well, I gotta, I gotta show you. I, this isn't doesn't really mean anything, but I actually, it's uh, have a whole octopus and it like becomes a woman. But uh, yeah, it's a little little uh, eight legged lady serpent. And then the left arm is just. I used to work for a winery back in the day, and so the left arm is 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 black and gray, but it's all just a huge winery. But I actually Sick. haven't gotten new work done in quite a while, and I'm really, yeah, I'm really, I need to get more done. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to stop, but, like, I'm going to be getting tattooed this whole tour. Every second I get to stop by a tattoo shop, even if it's just for a quick little, like, piece, I love getting tattooed on tour. Yeah. I, I only have small tattoos, mostly because I got them on tour and stuff, so you don't have enough enough time. But So, luckily, I, I literally have this day um, free like Wednesday, I guess I have free, so I I was able to get the whole day blocked off with this tattoo artist Matt Vaught that I'm a big fan of, and and um, so we're doing my whole sleeve then, and then the next day I start rehearsals with Jaden Hostler, which I think is probably the stupidest idea I've ever done, which is get my whole <laughs> arm tattooed and then go into rehearsals. But um, are they doing the whole thing, or is it just is it just going to be like outlines? Uh, the whole thing. I'm not doing any color. It's just black and white. So. Black and gray, I mean. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My dad has a uh, a bunch of color tattoos that are all faded and old, so I was like, I'm just going to get black and gray because I don't necessarily take the best care of them, which my tattoo artist is going is to hate that I say that, but it's true. But So um, it's just easier, especially like being on tour, getting black and gray and stuff. Well, uh yeah, dude. I think I think that's it, man. I'll let you get back to drumming because it's only seven seconds. So you got another ten hours <laughs> of the day left yeah, to drum. So I don't, I don't want to keep you. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Well, fucking thank you for having me, bro. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'm a big fan of the podcast, and this is awesome. So I really am stoked on it. Hell yeah, man. Well, I will uh, talk to you soon, and yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Rad, bro. All right, peace, dude. And that's the show. Be sure to subscribe. And if you're listening on a platform that allows for ratings or reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, which means the show will get better and bigger. And hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'd be an OG listener that could brag to all your friends. Um, Anyways, also, why don't you go ahead and check out BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all the socials. Just search for at BigFatSnareDrum and you will find it. This show is edited in part using Isotope RX-8 Audio Editor. It's amazing. So go check that out at isotope.com. Bye.